He scopes out the present, shakes out the past, and keeps an eye out on the future. This is the Racing with Bruno podcast. Now, from Lexington, Kentucky, here's Bruno DiGiulio. And welcome. This is the week before Saratoga Springs opens up. We've all been waiting for it, including my Louisville friend, Ron Flatter. Hey, Ron, how are you? Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not talk about Saratoga for a second. I mean, we'll get to that. And I know we'll get to Del Mar down the line here, but there is something far more important on this this beautiful July day in 2021. Makes me hark back to a July day in 1991. Bruno, do you know where I'm going with this? Yeah, I uh, I texted you that this is the 30th year anniversary of racing with Bruno. 30th? And, uh, 30th, Wow. Yes. Well, happy yes. anniversary. Yes, I was uh, hired by uh, Jay Primman at the Racing Times. I uh, ended up working at the Racing Times, did some clocking for the Racing Times, and uh, went over to today's Racing Digest, and I spent 20 years there. And uh, the last 10 years been uh, with RacingWithBruno.com, and the boss is pretty cool. He lets me do what I want to do. Somebody once told me that the biggest jerk, and the word jerk was actually replaced with a seven-letter word I won't say here, but the biggest jerk you will ever have for a boss is when you're self-employed. How do you feel oh, yeah, about I'm, that? I'm a tyrant. How do you I, feel I, about I, that? I, I, well, I, I'm a tyrant on myself. Right. I, I don't let myself down to, you know, if, if Sometimes I feel like I don't do enough, and I, it takes a couple of my uh, good friends and employees to, to, you know, who work with me. I don't call them employees. They work with me to tell me, you do a lot. Stop it. And um, I'm never satisfied with the product. I always want to uh, bring new ways for the player to get information. Um, like this past weekend, um, on Friday and Saturday, it was an absolute... Um, want to say, uh, I don't want to say it was a cluster, but <laughs> it was, you know, I, 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 you know, when you've got horses coming off, when you've got races that are coming off the turf, just to give you an example, I am so hard on myself that I want to have the perfect product and deal with the time crunch and deal with the tracks, getting information sometimes late or even changes. For example, we put out a product on Saturday off the turf at Belmont. Well, after we put it out, it took the other two races off the grass. So, and, 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 and you know, to me, it was like, you know, I, I called one of my, my friends, and he said, it's not the end of the world. You did the best you could. So, yes, you're right. I am really tough. I want I want perfection. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that come across that I'm a tyrant to myself. That's why the product is so damn good. Thank you for saying that. You know, I mean, sometimes I just shake my head, you know. And also, you know, we have come a long way. We're doing things that I don't think a lot of people have uh, been doing. And it's really nice when you get great emails back and nice words like you. You know, because sometimes the only time you hear something when somebody's unhappy. Mm -hmm. But it's been 30 years. I got to tell you, 
I, when I started this, I was working for Corridor Holly Hale. Uh, I was an investigator for him. I was senior management down at the Llama Mall in Torrance, California. Um, and I used to sneak off the, to Hollywood Park uh, during the breaks to play, whether it was, uh, whether it was um, a simulcast or live Hollywood Park racing. And I loved the game that uh, I think the racing form never left my side. Uh, the fast performances never left my side, even when I was in uh, working on cases or even in the uh, camera room. And did you ever think when you first started that you would get to 30 years, let alone, well, think about it. You probably were happy to get to 30 days when those first bills were arriving, right? Well, you know, I never thought about that. All I thought about was, you know, getting the work done and what we had to do. I kept looking at what we're doing tomorrow. What's the track doing tomorrow? What are we, where, you know, where are we clocking? What are we doing? Um, I will tell you that a big influence in this, and this is a great lesson to tie this right into, is um, where did all this come from? Well, I read some wonderful books by James Quinn, the late Steve Davidowitz, Bill Quirin, uh, Mark Kramer, Barry Meadow. One of the books that stood out to me is, is in 1984, I read the book, uh, Handicapping in the Information Age by James Quinn. And he went through and detailed, and this is the genius of James Quinn. He detailed how to use computers in the information age to be able to have handicapping information and storing it and putting it together where you have it at your fingertips. 1984. Can you imagine? And I was lucky. Yeah, and I was friendly with James. And uh, he lived right down the street from me over in Monrovia. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, not Monrovia, in Arcadia. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he lived on Golden West and I lived on Sunset there. And I was able to visit him and talk to him and a lot of that stuff stuck with me from that book. And I had a great foundation in not only handicapping, but how I would want to store and retrieve information. Um, in 1991, I started clocking, and, and that's where the 30th year anniversary came in, and that completely changed my, my world. Um, like I said, I did it for racing times when the racing times went out of business and uh, Steve and Chris decided workouts didn't matter, uh, I went over to today's Racing Digest and I was there for 20 years. Now, um, I can tell you that in this 30 years that, I, that I've done, that I've done this, Ron, and you've come across this too, I'm sure, uh, there's been a lot of people tell me, telling me you can't do this, uh, uh, it, it won't work. Um, We've outlasted every single one of those people. Isn't that something? You know, I mean, I had one guy, one uh, track management at San Antonio told me nobody cares about workouts. Uh, 1997. A year later, they got Clocker's Corner. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Care yeah, more nobody, about them now than cares, ever. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I've had people say you can't go back east in 2010. They'll never let you in. Well, not only did let, let us in, you know, we've kind of become the true national workout. We have clockers in Cali from California 
to to New York, to Kentucky, um, to Florida. So uh, we're really true, you know. So I'm really proud of that. And 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 a man that I used to think was a wise man was kind of fallen in hard times of late. Kind of wrote something to me in my book and said, the only way to survive in the racing industry is to outlast your competition. And the only way you outlast your competition if you're good at what you do. Well, I've been around here 30 years. I think I'll give myself a little break. Uh, there you go. boy. I mean, seriously, that that says something. And I was joking with you earlier today. I thought, should I get you a strand of pearls? Because after all, the 30th anniversary is the pearl anniversary. I don't wear those things. What about pearl cufflinks? No. Pearl spurs on your boots. So I can kick you in the ass with them, yeah. There you go. I think we, we <laughs> found an exclamation point finally for my yeah, stupid yeah, little exactly. bit. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. All right. You know. You really but, uh, want? I'm really excited. I, I'm so really I, excited I, about this 30th year. I just was going to say, I, I, as I was dovetailing. Actually, you're beginning your 31st. As I was dovetailing you off into Never Never Land, but you're off to Saratoga soon enough. Certainly, with the works and the work, really just get started here as we get ready for Saratoga on the 15th, right? And this is our 10th year at Saratoga. Um. It's not easy. Um, you you do have to run a lot of hurdles. Um, you surely do not get a warm welcome. Let me tell you a story. In 2012, I went out to Saratoga for the first time. I had no idea what I was doing. I had never been to Saratoga. And I'm going to clock there. So I show up 1st of June. I July, I get a great cabin that I had for 10 years after that down right on the lake, I mean, in the middle of the woods, nobody would bother me. It was awesome. And I get to befriend Nick Zito. And Nick and I are hanging out, you know, I'm sharing times with him on one of his horses. He loves that. And he says, you know what the clocker said to me when you showed up? I said, no, what'd they tell you? I said, I don't know any of those guys. Why would they say anything to you? They told the horsemen not to talk to me because I was NG. I said, NG, what does that mean? You know, he goes, not good. And he goes, what did you do to him? I said, I didn't do anything to him. I showed up. I guess I've good. I, I, I think I threw a little extra sand into their sand, you know, in their, in their place, in their sandbox. So, oh, they hated us. They hated us coming out and jumping in and, and, and looking at works. And it really hasn't changed much. And that's really a lot of it here on the East Coast. Um, I found other clockers crews to be fantastic. They're real, they, you know, you don't, I don't talk to them. I don't ask them for anything. But they're warm and friendly and they say hello. And, but, man, those guys in New York got serious attitudes. You know, I, I just have to wonder. I mean, it could be worse for them. They could be flipping burgers or making chicken at Addie's, and yet, you know, they're over here picking on me. But uh, it's not easy. It's not easy. You have to navigate through a lot of stuff. And, Ron, I love every minute of it because if it was easy, it wouldn't be very much fun for me. Mm. Well, you'll take up residence there on the tower at the Oklahoma track, or you'll be in the grandstand, or how does it work for you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know, first of all, I got Mike, Mike Mikas. He's already over there. Um, he lives, he's a Saratogian and uh, he's been with me since 2014. I love working with him. The kid's got a great eye. Um, he, he only does Saratoga. Um, and, um, he works, um, he works at a, uh, um, a fitness place there. He's got a great, he's a great family kid. Um, got two kids, three kids now. Um, I knew him when he was at, didn't have anybody there. Uh, just his girl, just his wife. And he's just a great guy. And, um, I rely, rely on him a lot on, on, on his eye there before I get there. And then once we get, once I get there, we start rolling. You know, the key to what we do run is, is not only, you know, getting an understanding of what we're seeing, but also the foundation of what's behind us. And that's having every single horse with markings already in a database and, and having, um, the ability of pulling them up to be able to massage a spreadsheet to be able to figure out teams in, in like in quick in, in, in a very quick uh, uh, time because everything is time sensitive there, you know. And and Saratoga, you know, Delmar is a little different. Delmar, you show up three days before there hasn't been any works, you know. So you get to build up your 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 everything, um, you know, through through as the meet goes, and and those works become more and more important as the meet goes on. At Saratoga, sort of the same way, but at Saratoga, they are there working probably three months before you get there. Mm. The two-year-olds are, are getting up to a half a mile. They're starting their 5-H. Now they're going to work. They've been working on the Oklahoma. Now they'll go over to the main track, and now on the main track, they'll do a lot of gate works. You'll have days where you might have 25 gate works in one day on the main alone. And and you have to also have Mike on, on, on the Oklahoma because there's, they're, they're, they're fully, and they're going to have 150 horses working over there too. So it's, you have to have your foundation. You have to have your, you, you, you have to have your structure to what you're doing where at Delmar, you can just sit in one place the whole meet and catch all the work. Not, not that way at Oklahoma. So, you know, for me, a day on the, a, a, a day at Saratoga, um, is, you know, you get there at 530. I go to the main. Mike goes to the Oklahoma. Or we switch off at 730. I go back to the Oklahoma and I help out Mike until 830 when the break's over uh, at, on the main. So I can catch after the break at 830 till 930, 930, pop over back to Oklahoma uh, and finish out the Oklahoma uh, main track. And if there's turf, you're there till 11, 1130 um, and you get to go home. So Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma and Saratoga is so much different than any other track you've ever gone to. You go to Palm Meadows, you're sitting in one spot and you catch dirt and turf. You're not moving. At Saratoga, back and forth, back and forth, mm-hmm. back and forth. And and by the time you know you do that over seven weeks, you 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 know over the seven weeks, not only are you fit, you know, but you're also starting to get a little fried mentally because you're dealing with all that every day, every day. And when it was six days a week, it was Absolutely. I was exhausted by the time, you know, by the time I got to, to, to Travers. I'm hoping this year with Mike being there, I'm going in a little bit later. So I'll be fresh and flying through the through the wire at Travers into the final weekend. So it's uh, Saratoga. You have to prep yourself. You have to have your foundation. You have to have your structure. You have to have all your your all your primary needs with markings and horses and trainer name trainer and, 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 and being able to, to run it through your website and be able to create reports. So to me, 
Saratoga has been the greatest challenge. And and even though I may bitch and complain about I didn't get that done, I didn't get that done, we get a lot done and we do it and we make mm -hmm. it look easy. And, and certainly user-friendly, I can say that. And as we look forward to Saratoga this year, we look back a year and remember the COVID restrictions that Kentucky was still very much open with a Keeneland meet going and that there were not going to be as many shippers early in the meet at Saratoga. And there was a new main track and jockey protocols were tight. So all of that was going on a year ago. As you come into 2021, what do you see going on? Well, I stayed here in Kentucky an extra three weeks because at Keeneland, you have all the two-year-olds. I got like 35 to 40 gateworks just alone last Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Keeneland. Uh, you got Brad Cox, who's got maybe 62-year-olds over here. <laughs> You've got Rusty Arnold with all his horses. He's a force over there, too. He'll bring a few horses, and he'll do really, really well. Um, you've got Steve Asmussen. He's already got 34 uh, over on the Oklahoma side, and he's got another 25 to 32-year-olds here at Keeneland that he'll be shipping in th throughout the meet. Um, you've got Keneally. You've got a lot of trainers. Brendan Walsh has a ton of two-year-olds. So I am doing all the prep work. You know, it's like a restaurant. I was a prep cook one time. I worked for Bennigan's when I was going to, right before I went to college. Oh. You know, and I was a prep cook. I had to get everything ready for the cook. So, you know, at dinner they would have their, you know, all the stuff they needed to fry, their foods, you know, already done. So it's I use that same technique here. I want to prep enough going into that me into Saratoga meet that I have all the information from Ferial, from from Keeneland, the Churchill stuff that I had. We got stuff coming in from Florida. So we have all that information coming in. So when these shippers come in, I already know who they are. Not only can I identify them because I'll have them on paper, but I have seen all their foundation coming in. So that becomes for a horse player. That's you know, and that's what I got from those books that from James Quinn is that you need to have all this stuff done beforehand to have it ready when when you get there because if I get you know a promise to dance or I get a uh, um, you know I'm trying to come up with a couple of two-year-olds that I've seen over there that I really like you know they show up I know who they are I got their foundation I can you know there it was how you can make a score because we'll be the only ones that have it because because the competition sure as hell won't have it Hmm. Yeah, the advantage indeed now to the Kentucky horses being forced out of Churchill because of the rebuild of the turf track, needing somewhere to go, so many going to Saratoga, and you're already waist deep in all of that information. Yeah, I've got them all. You know, um, I already know who they are, who they've worked with, where they've done their, their bulk of their work. I was talking to Brian Lynch earlier, and Brian had some uh, two-year-olds that he had just started training in uh, putting their foundations over at Churchill. And now they were at Saratoga. And I was able to, you know, match them up because Mike had two teams and I was able to separate the two teams on who they were. So, you know, and also a lot of the Kentucky guys, they know me. Um, and and I have a good report with them that, you know, I can call a Brendan Walsh and, and say hi. I've got a horse with Brendan Walsh. I've got Norm Cassie. Yeah, I didn't bring Mingima. He's got a, he's going to be in full force at Saratoga. And with two-year-olds, he's been fantastic. So 
a lot of these horses, you need to know them. You need to have marks on them. You need to know who belongs to who, especially the unraced ones. So when you get there, if you're if you think you're going to go clock at Saratoga and you think you're going to show up on opening day and you're going to have an idea what's going on, uh, good luck. Because <laughs> not only are you not going to know which way to go between Oklahoma and the Maine, but all those sources you've got to identify. And nobody's going to tell you. Mm. Nobody. Any conditions different this year? I mean, we've got the new main track under our belt by a year. We've got shippers who are going to come back in more normally than they have in two years. Anything else? I think that I think the main track is going to be a lot more. Um, I think the main track is ready to go right now because they've opened it up very early um, because they were rebuilding the the training track, mm-hmm. um, the Oklahoma track. So they opened the main track a lot earlier. So it's going to be very settled. I don't. I, there shouldn't be any complaints about that main track. They're already, you know, working five eighths and and going out three quarters and gate works. I mean, so I I think this year the two year olds that are at Venice Saratoga are going to be earlier. They're going to be ready earlier. Interesting. You know, than they usually are. Usually they're ready by the second the second to last week of the meet. They're fully ready to go. Now I think they're going to be ready by the third week of the meet. So I I think the first week would be a little bit of a shaky week just because a lot of horses would ship in which plays right into our hands. Um, you know, a lot of horses are ship in. I'm counting it the first two weeks that we're going to be able to jump on a lot of horses that we've seen outside of Saratoga, that the people at Saratoga haven't seen. But then after that, I think some of the Belmont and Saratoga horses are going to try to slowly take over. So there's really different parts of the meet. The first part of the meet is a lot of shippers coming in, and a lot of players don't know quite how to do. How do you do deal with the shipper? How do you deal with 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 the Keeneland uh, Wesley Ward coming in? Do you have any information? Well, they don't have any information, but we do. Um, you know the the they, the Brad Cox about the guys from Churchill mm-hmm. um, that are coming in. Well, you know you got Askerson with 34 of them, and he's got another 50, 60 here that are pretty. Uh, you know, two year olds that are going to be you know pretty ready to close to running by the beginning of the meet or even the first couple of weeks. And I have made my biggest scores on horses like that. A pure shot that paid 24 to 1, and I singled him in my pick four and hit for 23,000. Was a horse came over for Churchill. They just got a couple of um, uh, makeup works over, you know, just works over the track to get him used to it. The clockers didn't have anything on him as far as, you know, anything they could see. Horse, you know, I had stuff from, from Kentucky. Boom, $48 horse. Um, that has happened to me over. Um, a long uh, period of time, the historical part that I go back and always revisit is what worked before. And the one thing is looking at the shippers coming in. And the shippers coming in are very important, and you've got to have information on them. Hmm. Well, from Saratoga to Del Mar, and your days will be long, if only because you're jumping between two tracks, uh, just at Saratoga in terms of training and then you have to straddle the work that's being done across country three hours away at Del Mar. But I imagine your team is ready to go there. Oh, Brian Lazarica is great. Um, he's, a, he's a Southern California boy, and uh, he's been doing Del Mar for me for the past three years, uh, maybe four years. Um, and he is uh, he's outstanding. Um, we're going to have all our information going in there. He does a great job. Uh, I sort of wind him up and let him run. Uh, this year will be the first year with pace figures that we'll have from Del Mar, which I'm very excited about. Del Mar is the same way, Ron, because everybody over there at Del Mar, it's, it's a little bit different, but it's, it's sort of the same premise. is that nobody has 
the track. Nobody can say, oh, well, I got my horses over the track before the meet started. They can't. You know, they, 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 don't, they can't do enough before the meet starts. I think it opens five to six days before. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, and it, and the track is going to, you know, it, it, it's not quite settled yet. So a lot of the – I draw my experience there that I kind of look at and talk to Brian about how that track is going to play because you also want to look at the tides there. When there's a very, very high tide uh, in the afternoon, speed does not do well. Horses wide come in. So we need to keep an eye on that because when that tide is out and it's during the middle of the card and that tide's completely out, that becomes a beach. What happens? Wire-to-wire speed. It even works at Del Mar where early part of the card is nothing but speed. And then the latter part of the card, as the sun goes down and that breeze comes off the beach, you get more moisture in the, in, in the air. And also the tide comes in. Now you've got more moisture in the track and horses are, are and, and the track becomes quicker and horses are flying on the outside. Or even speak, it'd still be good, but it's much different track. That's why I always say at Del Mar, it can change from hour to hour mm-hmm. over there because of and, and and Saratoga. You have to look at that too. At Saratoga, you can sit there and it's a beautiful day. In the fourth race, you got sun is out. It's a gorgeous day. But the sixth race, you're I mean everybody's running for cover, thunder and lightning. Horses are in the paddock being held up, and then you get a monsoon and everything's off the turf. So. You have to, you really have to have your head on a swivel at Saratoga. You really have to have, you know, you really have to keep an eye on the weather and you have to keep notes on it because those horses come back to run or they're scratched out of spots because it ended up being just an absolute quagmire and a mud fest. Lots go on. Lots to to go on. I'm I'm just sort of trying to process this all in my mind and have it all just show up in the form that you present it, it's like sometimes you take for granted the work that goes into it, but it is important. I think handicappers do. I think handic- I think some you of think? the smart handicappers. <laughs> yeah, I think you're I right. I think some of the smart handicappers uh, get it, and that's why we have so many people show up at the Zooms uh, week after week, day, you know, time after time. Um, and then you have the guys that just want to pick up. I mean, if listen, if they were running cockroaches at Saratoga, some of these people would still be betting on them. So, I mean, it's just one of those things. <laughs> There's some people who just don't care about that. All they want to do is gamble. Well, fine, you know, whatever floats your boat, especially if a storm comes in. I hope you have one. Um, but I uh, use the canoe. The I use is, the canoe that's in the pond, the Travers canoes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, but, I mean, I, I think the smart players are the guys who really want to pay attention and they really understand that there's a lot more to this than just picking up a racing form or fast performances or your Brisnet fast performances and thinking you know everything. I laugh at kind of at those guys, you know, because it, it's just it's just insanity to me. Do you have anything up your sleeve in terms of anybody coming aboard who might have just come across this podcast but might want to jump in or even move a level up in terms of the service they get from racing with Bruno? Do I have anything up my sleeve? I think we're. I. I don't think anybody has ever said that about me. I think what you <laughs> see is what you get from That's me. That's why I'm here. You know, you know, it's what you see is what you get. Um, uh, you know, I'm pretty. I sometimes I have no filter. 
I was just um, going to say, I mean, I'm thinking special offers or introductories or come and get it. Uh, no, or... not during, I can't during Saratoga. You know, um, I get a lot of people who want, oh, I want to see the product. I want to get a free one. No, sorry, pal. You know, we don't give up freebies. Um, you know, it's just, I can't. Yeah, I mean, we, um, you know, my guys work their tail off. I work my tail off. We deserve to get, to get um, pay. We don't chase, uh, the product's pretty reasonable. Yes, it um, is. You know, I, I mean, and, it, and as, to, I, as I learned when I hit the pick six at Churchill Downs, Bruno, what do we always say? It pays for itself. It's pretty, you know. It's you know. I, I'll tell you one thing: the handicappers that drives me nuts is some of the some of the handicappers just nickel and dime for everything, nickel and dime, you know. But then when it comes to you know, because they have to have all the so they get back. Well, if you don't have any information, you know, this game is. I always say this, Ron. But it's amazing how some people just don't understand paramutual betting. Can you give a your um, idea of what paramutual betting is? It's the ultimate democracy. It's what There's it is. No democracy and racing. It's the ultimate democracy. Huh. Think Explain about that. It. Think about that. Everybody has a voice. Everybody has some coin. Each coin, you know, the, a dollar from me is no different from a dollar from you, and you put it in. And if more of us say that this horse is going to be the favorite, then more of us make that horse the favorite. Doesn't make that horse the winner. It just more of us makes yep. that horse the favorite. That's, that's why I say it's a democracy. When people are asking for tips from clockers and things like that, they fail to realize that what they're doing is really playing right into the public's hand at the betting windows. They're playing in the public's hand because everybody's getting those tips. It's like when the you know when when you see a horse open up at six to five on the board up at ten to one, everybody sees that, you know, and everybody runs to the window. Somebody knows something. <laughs> well, not really. It's just because. A horse is getting a tip out in the backstretch. It's gotten around. Well, paramutual betting is about having information other people don't. If everybody's got that information, it's not an inside tip. It's a it, it's a public tip, and public tips don't win very often. And when they do, it's four dollars or three forty. What you need to do as a handicapper, and you need to, not you, but as in general, you need to realize that you need off mainstream information you need stuff that not everybody gets and that's why we do so well at saratoga because we're we're like the competition you know stand on top of the press box screaming out you know what they like or give away all their information for free let them go ahead and do it because you know when you have when you have races like currently at belmont where you have one horse that can run in a field of maidens and the rest can't, it's real easy to pick up that horse. But when you get to Saratoga, there's four or five horses in a race that are alive. Four or five. Making a decision between them, that's the trick. Mm -hmm. So when you got paramutual betting, if you've got somebody with an idea that is not mainstream, you get price. And when you get a price, you make scores. So not only do you have to 
have the right information, but you got to bet it correctly. And how do you do that? Um, I have people ask me all the time, well, how do you bet? Well, what, bet, what works for me does not work for Ron Flatter. And we all have different Ron budgets. may not work from Joe Doe. Right. We all have different budgets. We have different needs. We have different desires. We have different right. things that we right. prioritize. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you have to you have to go and bet. Uh, you have to wager with what makes you comfortable. And the trifecta, superfectas, pick sixes are not really my comfort zone. Um, pick threes are not my comfort zone. Pick four and pick fives and more like it. Betting vertically, more like it. Mm, okay. In exactas and wins and I don't bet I don't bet the place in show. Um, but that style of play may be boring to some other people. They need to live on the edge. Yeah, did you ever see the movie um, Two for the Money with um, Al Pacino and Matthew McConaughey? I have, but it's been so long since I saw it, my memory of it is not piercing. If you get a chance, if you're a gambler and you like to play the races or you like to bet, rent a movie or find it. It's about a former college quarterback that turns to tout on, the, on football. And Al Pacino is the one that's running the boiler room. Um. And he's a reformed gambler, gamblers, and one of the interesting scenes is when he, he kept going to um, gambling anonymous meeting. And he said, and he, he brings up something that's really interesting. When you are gambling and you walk out of that track without a, and you've lost your money, you feel alive. You lose because you want to feel alive. Because you want to feel what's that pain that you're going through. It makes you feel alive. If you watch that movie, that is a really interesting part because he's right. However, as a gambler, what you really need to do is when you win is when you feel alive. So you want to feel alive a lot. And that means when you win, do something with that money. Go out and go buy. Um, you don't believe how much stuff. I hit up uh, in June of 2018 at the Stephen Foster. I hit for 47000 on hmm. that day on a $122 pick five play. And I bought my truck. Hmm. Um, so... You want to feel alive as, you know, you, 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 once you get that feeling that you, when you win, when I hit for almost 50,000 on Breeders' Cup last year, you know, I felt incredible. I, 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 I was walking on cloud nine for about a month. And you don't want to feel alive when you lose. You want to feel alive when you win. 
because if you do that, you'll win more often. You'll remember. You're almost like it's like classical conditioning, the ding, ding, ding. Right. And you salivate, you know. So Have love. Winning, winning, yes, winning, it can be contagious, not only with, with other people, but with yourself. And if you learn to celebrate your wins, you win a bunch of money, don't give it back the next day. Don't give it back the next day because you're hot. I hate that. You know, you can be hot at any time during Saratoga or during Del Mar. Anytime you want, you can get hot. It just takes you to do it the right way. Get the right information. You're going to have to play. Listen, I, I put a lot of money into going to Saratoga. You know, $7,000 for the Airbnb. I got an extra week. I got to put up for that. I pay my guys more during the summer than that. You know, you got to live out of town, so it's a lot. So you put a lot of money. I'm going to put a lot of money into being in Saratoga. I just don't walk up, sleep in my car, and have no overhead, you know, because I want to make it not only work business-wise, but I want to cash a few major tickets. Hmm. So you – and this has evolved talking about prepping. This is prepping throughout the year for me mentally. Mentally prepping, mentally prepping all the time that I want to have that feeling that I had a Breeders' Cup that I had a couple of weeks ago when I ran up my account to, you know, to six figures, excuse me, five figures, um, you know, just playing. Just you want that feeling. You want it to be you. You want that feeling all the time. And but you have to know how to back off when you're not hot, when you're not hitting on all cylinders or Better yet, when you don't have anything good and you're still putting that kind of money through the window. Now, that's the other part. The other part is if you don't have anything good for that day at the races, maybe play a couple of small pick fours, pick fives, spend and, 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 and work on tomorrow or the day after that. And, and, and try to zero in on what day you're going to make those scores and get ready for that feeling of feeling alive. So if you get a chance to watch the movie, too, for the money. It's a great movie. Al Pacino is Al Pacino. McConaughey is great. Um, and it really gives you an insight into the mentality of a gambler, uh, of, 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 of being right when you're hot and being wrong when you're cold. Um, so it's something that, uh, that I think everybody, just like they watch Let It Ride, yeah. watch Two for the Money. It's a good movie. If there's something that you could have said in terms of answering the question, do you have anything up your sleeve in terms of a special offer? I think you just answered it, Bruno, because you offer it in the terms of, I'll give it to you in two words, worthwhile experience. And it brings us full circle, doesn't it? Worthwhile experience. You can't beat I've that. 30 years of it. That you, from your lips to God's ears, celebrating 30 years of building worthwhile experience. That's the special offer. That's it. That's really the secret of the game. You have to outlast your competition. If you outlast your competition, means you're good at what you do. If you're good at what you do, when you handicap rate in, in horses and you're betting, you are going to be better than your competition. That means you'll have the money and they won't. And that's what this game is all about. Saratoga, Del Mar, they are our pinnacle of what we do. And this winter, uh, excuse me, this fall at Del Mar for the Breeders' Cup, um, you know, 
got to step it up. You got to step it up. You got to be able to, you got to be able to not only set yourself up with all the information that you will need, but also you have to focus and not say, I'm going to make all my money on the first day of the meet. That's another thing too, Ron. How many guys just send it in on opening day? Oh, just send it in. Oh, it's no different from football, Bruno. People bet more on week one than any other week of the year. They've been waiting all summer, and the Las Vegas statistics show it. I can imagine it's exactly the same when July 15th rolls around at Saratoga. I remember last year. I sat right here, exactly where I'm sitting right here, and I watched. I was just sick i wasn't at saratoga for the first time in nine years and there was a horse i liked in the second race it was a horse named price talk jorge habru trained he was 10 to 1 and clarovich owned it i was like when since when does clarovich horses with georgia brew right so i i put him on top loved him you know um he wins the race and gets taken down and I, I, I kind of looked around. I was by myself. I looked around and I said, huh, here we go. This might be one of those meets. You know, it was so, so typical for a new normal 2020 uh, year and ended up being a decent meet, made a couple of scores. But um, I think this year is going to be great. And, and like I've mentioned, we haven't been sitting around for 30 years just accumulating dust i use all my experiences i've had and all i say to you if you've been out to saratoga you've been out to del mar you know what it's all about use your experience and it will pay off get more from bruno by going to racingwithbruno.com this has been the racing with bruno podcast